Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and Semia markets. It's Tuesday, June the 28th. I'm Richard Woolley. And I'm Giulia Rusconi. Coming up this week, our credit analyst Nikhil Varsani will tell us about the near-term challenges that German tissue paper manufacturer WEPA is facing and will share also his view on the notes. Magnus Sherman is here to discuss Russia's Eurobond default. I will also speak to distressed debt reporter Andrew Ross about Matalan, the UK bricks and mortar retailer, which secured new financing to refinance the debt due next month. First, though, leveraged finance reporter Beatrice Mavrolian is here with an overview of the primary market. So the market is trying to come back to life with the deals coming from sectors such as gaming and healthcare that are somewhat defensive under challenging economic conditions, and pricing is still very generous. Gambling Group 888 is marketing a debt package comprising notes and loans to fund its acquisition of the non-US business of Peer William Hill. The deal has been intermittently pre-marketed to a group of investors since April and was underwritten late last year, so the banks are very keen to get it off their books as soon as possible. The combination of 888 with William Hill increases diversification, but investors have highlighted that um, the company faces quite a lot of regulatory risk. And the equity buffer on the deal has declined because of declines in the equity market since pre-marketing started. Meanwhile, CapEx will also be much higher because of William Hill's retail network, which combined with a high interest burden means cash generation may be limited. Price whispers for the margin on the floating rate notes is between 5.25 and 5.50 basis points, with an OID in the low 90s, implying yield of about 10%, while pricing for the fixed rate notes has been talked between 6 and 7% with an OID, implying a yield of 10.5 to 11%. Meanwhile, price talk for the term loan B is in the range of 92 and 93, with a margin of 525 basis points above the base rate, with a credit spread adjustment of 10 basis points. Another deal in the market is a 600 million euro term loan B being marketed by diagnostic services provider Affidia to fund the group's acquisition by GBL. Today, the group widened price talk for the loan to the 93.5 area from an OID in the range of 95 and 96 previously, with a margin at the wider end of previous price talk at E plus 500 basis points. Investors said that this company benefits from a good market position, geographic and payment diversification, and high barriers to entry. But it also faces margin pressure because around half its payments come from the public sector at a time when doctors' salaries are soaring and cash generation will likely go towards M&A. Meanwhile, um, Belgium-based gaming company Gaming One is marketing a 300 million euro term loan B with price talk at 525 over Eurobor with a 95 OID to finance the company's acquisition by CVC. Although the deal is small, investors have been relatively positive about the group, saying that it faces less regulatory risk than, say, 888, um, because Belgium has been a highly regulated market for many years and is a very transparent market. And we've also been hearing that um, Lithuanian supermarket chain Maxima Group has mandated a group of banks to arrange investor calls in relation to issuing a 300 million euro bond for refinancing. Nikhil, you have just published an update to the cash flow model on WEPA that you first published in, uh, in January. Could you give us a bit of a background on WEPA and a summary of your latest analysis? Yeah, so WEPA is a German tissue paper manufacturer who in recent periods has, seen, has been negatively impacted by the surge in raw materials prices and the inherent time lag to pass on cost inflation through to customers. 
Having said that, Weppa saw strong top-line growth in the first quarter following the accelerated implementation of price pass-throughs. And it also said that it expects the momentum to continue, helping it to somewhat alleviate near-term inflationary challenges. Management have also said that in light of the current environment, the length of the new contracts with customers have been reduced to about three months, which means that Weppa can negotiate the selling prices more frequently, while the time lag was between 15 to 18 months previously. So what do Weppa's near and medium term prospects look like? And are there any hard negative triggers here on, on the notes, considering the potentially tough year that it could face? Well, given that demand for tissue products is non-cyclical and somewhat stable, we think Weppa's credit metrics could normalize by full year 2024 under our base case. And we don't see any hard, um, we don't see many hard near-term triggers considering that Weppa does not have any near-term maturities. Although leverage was high in December at 6.2 times and we forecast it will rise to about 6.8 times by the end of the year, we do think the group could delever to below four times by 2024 before it has to refinance its senior secured notes which are due at the end of 2026 and 2027. Also, we think cash burn in 2022 that is mainly due to inflation could be covered by drawing on the 150 million euro RCF. The group also has an off-balance sheet 180 million non-recourse asset-backed facility, which it can use for liquidity and has historically done so to meet working capital needs. Although of this, 150 million was already drawn as of March 31st. Okay, so you sound in general quite positive on, on this name. I see that WebPass floating rate senior secure notes are yielding about 7% today and the fixed rated notes about 7.8%, which is tighter than the yield on comparable issuances by Ontex and Fedrigoni. And we talked together about Ontex in our podcast on May 17th, so about uh, a month ago. And I understand Web and Ontex are very close um, comparables, very close industry peers and are facing somewhat the same risks. So which nodes do you think are more attractive, those of WEPA or those of Ontex? Uh, yes, that's correct. However, though we remain positive on WEPA's medium-term recovery, as you said, it's floating rate notes due 2026 and fixed rate notes due 2027, both trade tighter than Ontex's senior unsecured 2026 notes on a spread per LTV basis. Though we note the highest spread on Ontex could partly be attributed to the unsecured nature of the notes, we view Ontex as a more diversified credit with better liquidity position. Ontex could also see better deleveraging compared to WEPA um, through the disposal of its emerging markets business. Further, Ontex could also potentially see a change of control if American industrial partners were to acquire 50% or more of the voting rights of the company. So. Although we remain positive on WEPA, Ontex, Ontex's notes may offer a better relative value. Thank you so much, Nikhil. Hi, Magnus. Nice to see you again. Um, obviously, the big news from the Russia-Ukraine situation this week has been Russia's Eurobond default. Can you talk a little bit more about it? Yes. So Russia uh, defaulted yesterday, Monday. Uh, and that was after it missed um, two coupon payments uh, about a month ago and it failed to cure that, um, that, that those two missed payments. Not because it doesn't have the money, but um, because the infrastructure that it uses to pay has been sanctioned by the West. And so therefore, uh, Russia entered a, a default uh, yesterday, which the Ministry of Finance in Russia denies. Um, and uh, you, could, you could see that argument because they are basically saying, well, 
the intermediaries we're using um, won't let us pay, and so therefore um, there is no payment. Okay, and what options are there for releasing these funds in, in the future? There isn't really uh, an easy fix in the in the near term for Western investors. Russia has reacted to this by uh, introducing something called an I account, which is a an account held in Russia only in rubles. And so, if I'm a Western bondholder, I set up this account, and I receive payments equal to my dollar amounts, but in rubles, and it's held in Russia. But the issue is also that I can't get the money out because NSD, the uh, intermediary. Uh, used by Russia is sanctioned by the European Union. So the money won't make it to Europe and can't then make it on to, to the bondholders. There's another complication as well, which is uh, in relation to the CDS. There's a lot of CDS contracts that were issued um, in, the, in the sell-off especially. And it's unclear now how those are going to be uh, settled, again, because you can't buy and sell the, the bonds to, to settle those trades. Okay, and alongside the I account, we've uh, also been putting out coverage of the C accounts. Can you explain how those two things relate to each other, if at all? Yeah, it's basically a similar sort of parallel concept where Russia has unilaterally decided um, that it, the euro bonds, the, the hard currency bonds issued by the, the big uh, Russian companies, should from March, when this was in, introduced, uh, be paid or be serviced by paying rubles into a so-called C account that an international bondholder was supposed to set up at a Russian uh, entity within Russia so that the interest payments stay in Russia. And um, and this is basically similar to, to what has now been proposed uh, for the I accounts. It's very unlikely that, that this is going to be uh, be popular and something that people actually do because, you know, one, you're getting uh, ruble payments on your, on your hard currency bonds. And you also cannot take the money out because, uh, again, the NSD is sanctioned by the European Union. So the money will remain in Russia and can only be used for very limited uh, purposes. So um, so those two are very similar um, concepts, yeah. And in terms of any bondholder groups getting together to try and... Um get something out of this what's the uh, what's the situation looking like yeah we haven't seen much in in terms of this uh, we haven't seen any actually um and all this sort of the the um, the sovereign debt specialists that would normally be over this and pitching investors haven't um i think that's mostly because this is such a um politically toxic uh, case to to get involved with and as a firm as a as a lawyer or adv- advisor um hard to get involved with involved with and then and then get other mandates on on other uh, situations just because of uh, how isolated Russia is at the moment. So we're not seeing any bondholder groups uh, at this point. Um, also, it would be very hard to, to uh, negotiate with Russia in this situation. Thanks a lot, Magnus. A few weeks ago, we discussed UK fashion and homeware retailer Matalan, its upcoming maturities and refinancing options. Last week, Matalan announced it secured a new loan facility to refinance super senior maturities during July, so next month. I'm joined today by our reporter, Andrew. Andrew, would you take us through what we know about this new financing? Sure. So last week, we learned that Matalan secured a new super senior £60 million 18-month loan facility, paying about Sonia plus 7% from specialist lender Bantry Bay. With this, Madeleine will refinance its revolving credit facilities for a total of £50 million that mature in July. Meanwhile, the group's £27.7 million priority senior secured notes due this year will be paid from cash reserves. 
Did the company provide any detail on how it plans to address its uh, upcoming maturities in 2023 and 2024? I recall the company has around 350 million pounds firstly in notes maturing in 2023 and 80 million pounds secondly in notes due 2024. So during a company call last Thursday, management said it would be engaging with note holders to address its 2023 and 2024 maturities in due course, adding it will consider options acceptable to all note holders and work alongside its shareholder, the Hagrubes family, who it says remain committed. Sources we've spoken to have noted that there is still great uncertainty regarding how Matalan plans to deal with its main maturities. If you read the company's annual report, it said there is a material uncertainty regarding the going concern assumption for this very reason. However, Madeleine noted in the report that discussions with banks and advisors regarding the upcoming maturities are at an advanced stage and it believes that a refinancing of these facilities will be successful. Sources we've spoken to have, however, noted that this new super senior facility could make it more difficult to refinance the company's existing first and second lien notes that fall due in 2023 and 2024 as it increases the amount of super senior debt above the notes. Okay, so it's still unknown how Matalan will tackle these maturities, I understand. What do we know about advisors? So we understand that Clifford Chance is advising Madeland alongside Teneo, while the senior secured note holders are represented by Kirkland and Ellis and Perella Weinberg Partners. Houlihan Loki is working with the junior tranche holders, while Paul Hastings and Lazard are acting for shareholder Hagreaves. Last week, we reported that Madeline also appointed independent financial consultant Tim Isaacs to coordinate and lead its refinancing process. Thank you, Andrew. Tomorrow, June the 29th, Reorg is hosting its latest webinar, European Primary Update, What to Expect When the Market Reopens. Beatrice Mavrolian will be joined by David Leland, Head of Capital Markets at BC Partners, Jerome Ingenhoff, Credit Research Executive Director at Alcentra, and Mark Remington, Portfolio Manager at EFG Asset Management. They will discuss the reopening and the outlook on the European primary markets, following a difficult first half of the year during which markets were shut down by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. You can find more information on how to attend the webinar on our website. More information on all of the situations and events discussed in this podcast are also available on the website reorg.com. We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Europe podcast. But until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.